0: saying thank you. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Who thinks they're good at saying thank you? Okay, there's a couple of, a few hands going up, but not everybody. Okay, when was the last time you walked through a door and you held the door open because there were other people behind you and they didn't take the door off you, they just walked through and they didn't even nod and they didn't even acknowledge you, they just walked through the door. Has that happened to anybody recently? Okay. Have you ever done it to anybody? Yes, I've done it. You know, I don't intend to do it. I, 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 I would like to say, I would like to honest, be honest before you and go, yes, I've said thank you every time. But I probably haven't. So I'm not going to put my hand up um, because I probably haven't. But we don't say thank you often enough. We don't say thank you often enough for very simple things. You know, think about whichever of you is the tea maker or the coffee maker in your home. They probably like drinking tea and coffee more often than the other one. And so they're probably asking, do you want a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or whatever you drink uh, whenever you need it? And so we don't have to ask, well, how many sugars do you need or do you need milk? Because we know. But how many times do we say thank you for the simple things? So I'm going to be talking about Thanksgiving this morning. Um, if you want, a, if you want a scripture to turn to, to, turn to Psalm 100. We'll be coming back to that in a moment. Um, I'm going to start with a, a film. That's uh, how many people have seen a film called Invictus. Okay, it's a it's a it's a film about the South African rugby team, and into it is woven the story of Nelson Mandela. Um, and the reason it's called Invictus is it's a fantastic poem called Invictus, which I'm going to I'm going to, I'm going to play the. Hopefully, Simon's going to play. Uh, a, a bit of a clip from the film, and in that moment, um, okay, okay. Oh, that's the wrong one. Sorry, this is. He. Sorry, can we play that again? I've set it up and then told you it's the. I was planning to play this one second, but I've obviously not saved the one from the film. He lost courage. When he
1: felt like just giving up, just lie down and not get up again, he would recite it, and it would give him the what he needed to keep going. Can you recite it? If you can't, here's some words. <laughs> mm-hmm. Out of the night that, out of night that I don't like the covers me, black as the picture from pole to oh, pole. I learned it when I was in school. Yeah. Did you it? Yeah. I think whatever God there may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of fate, my head is bloody, but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the shadow of the shade. Yet the menace of the years finds it shall find me, unafraid. God. Matters not how straight the gate, how punished the charge, the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of myself. This is a magical moment in the history of this show to hear you do that. Wow. Thank you. And he had it and he memorized it and it was his it was, anchor. Yeah. Yeah. When the
0: winds were at their worst. Yeah. I had intended to show you uh, Morgan Freeman reading that in the background as part of the film. I forgot. I've obviously saved the wrong file. Um, but there are some words in that particular poem that I really want to capture. It matters not how straight to the gate, how charged. Can you see the oh. <laughs> Now the the number on the door.
1: 46664 means he was the 466th prisoner to be here in 1964. It's better up just the way it was. What's okay. me? beyond this place.
0: Morgan Freeman, uh, just quoting that particular scripture, that particular poem. Um, It's caught a number of people's attention. In places of desperation, that poem has invigorated them. And it's these words It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishment the scroll. I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul. It's down to us. But how many times do we feel thankful for what we have? Be grateful and thankful at all times, in all situations. You know, you, We saw some images there of some reasons why Nelson Mandela quite legitimately would not have been thankful at all. Paul in prison, exactly the same situation, hanging there in chains for his saviour. And yet, what did he do? He gave praise he, he started singing songs of praise in prison. Now, I don't know whether that's the place where you'd be comfortable giving thanks. But, you know, it's so easy for us to look at what we don't have rather than what we do. In fact, I guess that's what consumerism is actually driven by. It's actually more and better and different. Uh, nothing to do with my sermon this morning, but I well, nothing specifically to do with my sermon, but as I was thinking about it this morning, I realised that the industry that I work in talks about forecasting more and more. And, you know, through the credit crunch in 2008, I heard people saying, when we get back to normal, and I don't know whether this would have interest interest you at all, but the automotive industry has been in overcapacity for decades. There's been the ability to produce more cars in the world than there are to sell them even though there are more and more cars in the world. And so therefore, there was this downward price competition. And then when the credit crunch hit, you know, lots of automobile companies had to reset themselves. Some shut down for months. And there was this language that said, when we get back to normal. And I kind of almost felt that God had gone control or delete with life. And said, okay, let's reset There was a moment for reset. And we as a a global, we as a nation, we as a world have not got that reset. But there are people, there are individuals who are saying, actually, I don't want the latest and the best and the greatest. Actually, this will do. I'm not saying we shouldn't have nice things. You know, we, we live in a world where everybody's trying to persuade us to buy the next one. You yeah, just as an example, take mobile phones. Most of us have probably got a mobile phone in our pockets. I bet you it's less than two years old for most of us. And the whole model is to keep on persuading us to take the next one and the next one and the next one because that ge- generates revenue for them. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying the driver behind it maybe is rather selfish about more and better. And are we thankful? Just think about this. Oh, my mobile phone's actually recording, so I can't I can't show it to you. If I held up my mobile phone before you now, this makes me as powerful as King Henry VIII. How can I say that? Well, when if King Henry VIII said how many how many of my how many of my citizens live in the county of Surrey, he would send people out into the county of Surrey, and they would go and they would count, and they come back, and they they say, King, this is how many citizens you have in in the in in the county of surrey you can find that out today just by pressing how many citizens in the county of surrey and you will get the answer and i see now with the younger generation you know actually we don't memorize things anymore we just press a button on our phone and say what we just speak to the phone my nephew was playing with my wife's car mobile phone the other day in the car not playing with the car, in, 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 and and he, he was pressing buttons, and he found that he could talk to the phone, and the phone would do things. And so he started say, saying things, and the phone would answer to him. And uh, he obviously got it, and he said, "How far is it to Johannesburg?" I think that was, I think that was the city he named. I can't remember exactly, but he named the city, and Judy said, "Oh no, it can't answer those kind of questions, Jake." And it came back and said, "It is X number of miles to." The, the place that he'd asked about and so actually it's it's you know just ask those questions so suddenly we live in a world where information is available to us are we thankful for that are we grateful for that psalm 100 says this make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands serve the lord with gladness come before his presence with singing Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. So, why should we give thanks to God? Would you know number one, He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our thanks. Mm-hmm. He created the world that we live in, he, he changes our day. That's why we pray, isn't it? Lord, help me. Lord, hear my prayer. David prayed, wrote that many times. He alone is God. There is no other God. Scripture says many times. Serve no other God but me. He alone is the God. Our God. He's a good God. And he desires to be part of our lives. To be part of our focus. To be part of our attention. So let's envisage now, instead of walking through a door that's held open by a person... God has done something for us. Maybe God's hold the door, held the door open for us. How many times have we given thanks to God because he's opened a door for us? How many times have we prayed something and the prayer has been answered? And we've gone, yes, or... We, 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 we've, 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 there's a, been a spring in our step because suddenly something that we desired, something, you know, so, somebody whose relationships were breaking down and now they've been restored, yeah, we're going, yes, because we're pleased for them and we're, we're, we're pleased too. But did we go back to the person who responded to our prayer, that is God, and said, so, thank you, Father. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you so much. Because not only is he a God who we need to give thanks for and to, but he's a God that we need to serve. Is worthy of service. Well, I don't know what your attitude to service is. You know, sometimes if you go into a very posh restaurant, the waiter will come in and there'll be a lot of theatre about the way they deliver. And the, somebody will come stridently in and they'll deliver their drinks to you. And there you go, man. there you go, sir. And there'll be a lot of theatre to the delivery. And there are other restaurants you go to where you hardly notice the waiters or the waitresses. You know, food arrives, uh, Things that you need appear. You you run out of water and more water appears. You don't have to ask. It's a very, very different style of service. And and what happens is that those waiters and waitresses are, are very attentive to the tables that they are serving. And they're looking out and saying, "Okay, if they notice somebody looking around the room as if there's something they're waiting for, they go across straight away and say, can I help you? Is there something you need? They don't wait for somebody to wave a hand. They are looking for indications that someone's about to put up the hand. And you know, simple things like, you know, people start to, put, to um, put their coats on and do their bags up. And so suddenly somebody comes up, would, would you like the bill, madam, sir? It's just a different level of service. And I wonder whether we're like the waiter that I described the first time who liked to be seen to serve the father. Because that's what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees came and they they made a big thing of the way they prayed. They made a big thing of the way they, they served the Lord. And yet humble people like Mary and Martha just came and served the Lord gently, with humility. But service is something that has a number of elements. Number one, actually, I think the Father calls us to be humble when we serve. Can I help? Can I assist? But I think he also calls us to be faithful when we serve. So that we're reliable, so people can trust on us, they can lean on us. But you know, the other thing about service, it needs to be active. You know, we can't think about service and sit there and think, I've got an idea about how I might serve some people. It's a good idea. I could draw some pictures of it. I could write some things down. You know, service is not service unless we do something. But he alone is worthy of service. He alone is God. So are we thankful? Thankful to Him for what He's done. Thankful to Him for who He is. For in, in Psalm, 5 verse, uh, Psalm 100, verse 5, for the Lord is good. You know, it describes His nature, He describes His makeup. The Lord is not bad, He's good and so do we come to him with thanksgiving in our hearts now I, I don't let me encourage you to just think about this this week as we pray together as a church why didn't we start our prayers off this week with thanksgiving first start with thanksgiving first because you realize when we say thank you for things We start to remember things that God has done for us. And when we remember things that God has done for us, then when we come with the things that we're asking for him to do again, it's built upon a foundation of thanksgiving. It's built upon a foundation of faith. It's built upon a place where we're going, you did it before, Lord, I'm asking again for something different. I'm asking for so-and-so. I'm asking for this situation. I'm asking for this circumstance. Lord, you heard my prayer. Would you hear my prayer again? As opposed to, I don't know, sometimes I find myself falling straight into asking God straight away. And as parents and as aunts and uncles, as grandparents, how much more pleasant is it when a child comes and says, Daddy or mummy or auntie, thank you for this book that you gave me. Um, Would you read it to me? Rather than, can you read the book? Of course, we'd happily read to the child. You know, that, that's not a problem, but when it comes with thanksgiving too, it's just so appreciative. And how many times do we say things like, what do you say to a child? I wonder if we turned that around and said, what does mummy or daddy or auntie do? Whether the child would still say thank you. Rather than just, what do you say? Because for me, thanksgiving comes from a perspective that says, I am thankful. And it's not something that I have to do as part of, somebody gives you a present, you unwrap the present, thank you. It's part of the process. It's part of the giving and receiving. But actually it's more, my heart is thankful for you have given me something. And I've told you this story before now, but it's relevant here today. I was speaking in a church in Uganda, and I I, I finished the service. And pastor said, "Okay, we're now going to jump into into a car, and we're going to drive off into the bush, and we're going to go to another church." Um, And then we couldn't find the car and the taxi. We had to get a taxi, and we were late. And we drove to the end of the road, and then I thought we were going to stop, but then we carried on driving beyond the end of the road, and then we came to the end of the track. And I thought we were going to stop. And we kept on driving. And you know, by now I'm getting shaken all over the place. And, and I'm looking at my watch and thinking, we're really late. That The service will be over. And we come to this clearing in the bush. And there's this tarpaulin hanging there, a big, big tarpaulin. And there's 50, 60 people under this tarpaulin, all praising God and worshipping God. And I think, oh, we've, we've arrived in time. No, we've already had one sermon and we've already had another time of praise, but pastor now you're here please please share your heart with us and i I preached and I shared and I prayed, and uh, I kept it short because I thought that was the British thing to do you know and so i I, I took what i had been given and I, I I had about thirty minutes of preach and because I was late and because they'd already been doing church for two hours by then, I shortened it down to about fifteen minutes and the pastor's when I kind of closed out, he said, Pastor, do you have some more? Because we want some more. Now, I'm not sure that would happen in Britain. But I came to the end of the fifty. 50- I said, well, actually, I had condensed it. Let me give you the rest of it. And so I gave the rest. And, and then I closed out and prayed and got uh, finished the service. And a, an elderly gentleman came to me at the end of the service. And he said, Pastor, I feel like the Lord is encouraging me to give you this. And he gave me this blanket. And it was a threadbare... Um, it's the kind of thing that you might have in your car, you know, to, to help to move rubbish around. You know, it's, it's one of those things you'd probably still keep, but you wouldn't use it. But he gave it to me, all folded up all neatly. And, and, and I looked at him and I immediately had a whole set of things in my head that I thought, you know, you, you, it's, thank you, but, and it was the thank you, but that was the problem. I said, no, you, you keep it. And he kind of, his head went down, he went away and uh, the pastor took me to one side and he said, Dave, you've just robbed that guy's moment to give. Now he felt the Lord had encouraged him to give and you said no. Now what did that say to him? And I, I kind of had to re- rethink it and think, yes, I have. Yes, I have. You are right. And I went back to the guy and said, look, I'm really sorry. I'd, I'd happily receive that gift. Thank you so much. I had no idea what I was going to do with this moth-eaten, threadbare um, blanket. I had no idea. But that was not the point. It was not what was I going to do with it. It was the Lord had called him to give it and I should have gratefully received it. And sometimes, you know, we are given gifts that we don't, you know, that, that, that God wants us to have. But because we do not see what is yet to come, we go, oh, thanks, no, thanks, but no Thanks anybody ever done that? I, I have definitely said no to presents, where people have said, I, I'd like to give you this. And then maybe a few weeks or a few months later, I think, I wish I'd said yes, because this moment now I could give. So I took it. And there were tears in the guy's eye, and we prayed together, and I apologized to him. I said, I'm really sorry. I should have kept my heart open to receiving something from the Father through you. So I didn't know what I was going to do with this blanket. Two or three days later, I was somewhere else. And it was quite clear there was someone in desperate need, living, you know, homeless, living in the bush. And I just felt the Father say, this is where you give your blanket, Dave. It was simple. But you know what? If I hadn't taken the blanket, I wouldn't be able to give the blanket. I would have gone, what blanket, Lord? What blanket are you wanting me to give here? You know, sometimes God wants us to give without understanding. He just wants us to give. Sometimes he wants us to give without limitation. Um, I am of the habit of sometimes taking things with me. I will pack things in my bag when I'm traveling and it'll be as the Lord leads. And sometimes I'll put things in my bag and think, I don't know why I'm putting that in there, but I'll put it in there. And I felt the Lord say to me last time I was in Nigeria. I put a a tie in a bag. I was going to give a tie to somebody. So I put this, this, and I'll be honest with you. I put a tie that I didn't like that much. It wasn't my worst tie. It wasn't my best tie. It's just one that I didn't wear that often. I took that tie and I put it into my bag. And so I'm preaching in this church, and I've got my favourite tie on. It's a tie that John and Denise gave me, um, and it had the lion of the tribe of Judah on it. it had a lovely tie. And one, one of those churches that wasn't yet finished. They'd started the building. They built the walls, but there was no roof. There was a tarpaulin that was flapping around in the roof. You know, it was a few hundred people in this, in this semi-finished building. I got up to preach and I was uh, preaching and the Lord said, OK, time for your tie, Dave. And I had the tie in my jacket pocket. And so I put my hand into my pocket as I asked this gentleman to come forward. He, the Lord had led me to kind of prophesy over to him. So I put my hand in my pocket to get this tie out. The Lord said, not the one in your pocket, the one you're wearing. The one that's around your neck. Now, what's going on in my head, I'm not saying this out loud, is, but Lord, that's my favourite tie. And this one I brought, is the one I brought to give. And the Lord said, but I have need. Just like, just like Jesus said, I have need of the comb. The Lord said, I have need of your tie that you're wearing. And so, as the man came to the front, I took off my tie. And, you know, it just meant, it was so significantly more different that it was the tie that I was wearing than the tie that I had in my pocket. And I told him, I said, this is my favourite tie. Because it was. But you know, then I had another tie to put on. So, you know, just, just, I, I, I came off that stage at the end and I said, thank you, Lord, that you encouraged me to pack a tie. Thank you that I brought my favourite tie with me too. And thank you that I can submit myself to you. I am so thankful. So, you know, even in good times and bad, even when God asks us things that we don't want to give away, let's be thankful. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting. Let me close out with a, a couple of thoughts. Um, one is Abraham Lincoln in 1863. Um, the nation was being called to a time of prayer. The American nation. I, I, reading this in history, I'm kind of surprised. I can't imagine the president of the United States calling the nation to prayer. But Abraham Lincoln did this in 1863. And there's some words that I just want to put up on the screen. And, uh, I'm going to read them to you. Um, we have been recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved for many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth and power, as no any other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to God that made us. He behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Yeah, you know, it shows you it was written hundreds of years ago. I haven't even got an idea what behoove would mean. I had to go and look it. I think it means. Well, yeah. Well, I still couldn't work it out. We, we have. We have forgotten God. We have forgotten all the good things that God has done for us. And so, I want to encourage us to be a thankful people. Thankful in good times and bad. Thankful when we have more than enough and thank you when we have little. I have been in situations, not that I've ever prayed this, but I have, and I have heard other people say these things to me, where they've said, Dave, we have had nothing and we have sat around the table and prayed and God has provided. And I think that's an amazing place of faith where you can sit around a table. And I don't just mean a few adults. Um, thinking about a pastor friend of mine who said he sat down. Actually, um, s- some people we sent a car to out in India. We sent some money towards a car in India. They were, there were times when they would sit down to dinner with their two small children and they would hold hands together and they would pray and there would be nothing on the table. And just as they fin- it, it, I remember John saying a couple of times, he a couple of times it was as simple as they finished the prayer and within 10 seconds there was a knock on the door and there was people with food. Just think. But they, they weren't praying prayers of, Lord, it wasn't a pleading prayer. It wasn't a, oh, Lord, we're hungry, please feed us. They could have probably gone without that particular meal, but they sat down with expectant hearts and they sat down and said, thank you for the food that we are about to receive. That's a faith-filled prayer. Giving thanks for that which we do not see. Giving thanks for that that is yet to come. So what are we giving thanks for? Uh, My final clip, hopefully this will work, is um, how many people remember a poem called If? Written by Rudyard Kipling. Um, I've got into poetry this morning. I'm not sure why, but here we go. If
1: you can keep your head when
0: all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, and make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired of waiting, or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way
1: to hating, and yet don't look too good or speak too wise. If you can dream, make dream your master if you can think and not make thoughts your aim if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters both the same if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools and see the thing you gave your life for broken and still can build it up again with worn-out tools, if you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch-and-toss-and-lose and start again at your beginning and never breathe one word about your loss, if you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve their turn long after they are gone and so hold on, When there is nothing in you, except the will that says to man, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, walk with kings, nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with sixty seconds worth of distance run yours is the earth and everything that's in it and which is more you'll be a man my son
0: fantastic poem and i just want to ask the question if if we could be a people of thanksgiving and a people of price. How would our world, the world that we're part of, I don't mean the wider world, I mean just the world that we touch. Our neighbours, our friends, our colleagues, our sphere of influence. If we could be a people of thanksgiving, if we could be a people of price. If we could be a people, of, I could go on, if we could be a people of faith and love. But My theme today was thanksgiving if we could be a people of thanksgiving how would our world change if every door that we walked through we looked at the person who held the door open for us and said thank you if every cup of tea that was given to us we said thank we looked at the person and said thank you if every meal that was cooked for us we said thank you Those simple words, so easily overlooked. In that poem there, uh, Roger Kipling's poem, If uh, Able to Walk with Kings and Keep the Common Touch, reminded me of a story of John Lang, Sir John Lang, who ran Lang's building um, uh, company. He was someone who could both meet with kings and with businessmen and with lords and MPs but he also kept the common touch. I've heard a couple of times now about he, he would sit in board meetings or meetings where he was the most senior person in the room and there would be other people in the room and then the coffee would arrive. You, you know that moment when the coffee arrives and it's put on the table at the back or put somewhere and everybody's itching for the cup of coffee and it just takes someone to go, shall I pour Or somebody to do something? So many times, John Lang would do that. He would be the first person to say, Shall I pour the coffee? He could keep the common touch. He was once driving up in the very big drive to his head office, and the guy who keeps the grounds was sweeping the road. And John wound up, uh, tooted his horn, and the gardener leapt out of the way. And John slowed down and wound down the window and said, I wasn't tooting my horn to say, get out of my way. I was tooting the horn to say, good morning. Say good morning, sir. If we are to walk with kings and keep the common touch, we still need to be thankful. We still need to have hearts that are full of thanksgiving. So let me pray. Father God, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for the ultimate gift your son who died for us on the cross at calvary thank you for your son jesus thank you that he was willing to go to the cross and die in our place that we might have relationship through him to you our heavenly father but thank you too that you love us lord you don't never leave us nor forsake us you're always there You have good things for us because you are a good God. And we don't say thank you nearly enough. But today we are saying thank you. Today we are saying thank you, Lord. So, Father, help us to be people. Open our eyes that we might see in new and different ways. How people are serving and giving to us that we might receive more graciously and be more thanksgiving in our attitude and in our language. Help us to be thankful people, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.